everybody. Welcome back to the Variable Design Podcast. Did I scare you? We jumped out at you real fast right there at the beginning. <laughs> My name is Russ Clough, and joining me, per usual, is the one and only Andre Cotan. Andre Cotan deserves the applause soundtrack there in the back. <laughs> Andre's awesome. We're excited to have you with us, buddy. Um, if you guys didn't catch it last week, we had a great episode entitled Banger, Actually a Bust, How to Handle Times When You're Not Proud of Your Design Work, because we all know that those kind of situations happen where um, under various circumstances, whatever, you, you know, you're in the 11th hour and you just can't get it over the finish line. And you're not super happy with it. What do, how do you handle that professionally? What are some tactics for approaching that? So that was a great episode. If you haven't checked it out, we recommend that you do. And this week, we're going to make just a little pivot from there. And um, if I were to like pick a title for today's discussion, it would probably be you may be the problem. <laughs> Essentially, we want to talk about, you know, some of the hard pills that we have to swallow as creatives and um, the different approaches that we can take to getting unstuck. So, Andre. Buddy, um, as we as we jump into this topic, what kind of what kind of motivated this? As I, you know, everything. If anybody knows me personally, as much as you do, Andre, it's a lot of the topics uh, coincide with major events that take place in my life, and I think I'm just always on a introspective journey of seeing where I'm at, where I want to be, and I'm not specifically you know, tipping my hand and saying that Russ feels like he's stuck in life. But I think everybody has moments where they're like, man, things just aren't going my way right now. Why? What the freaking heck? <laughs> what can I do I to make say, right before recording? Like, uh, especially since a lot of these topics are, like you said, near and dear, um, things that we're passionate about. Sure. And so when I saw this as the topic you want to talk about, the first thing I came on uh, before recording was like, hey, Russ, buddy, are you okay? okay? <laughs> <laughs> Russ is okay. Russ is all right. Work is going on right. And, you know, things are okay. But I've, but I think about my life experiences and there's been lots of times where I've called Andre and I'm like, no, I'm not okay, dude. <laughs> what do I need to do to make this better? And how do I fix this? How come I'm not getting these results that I'm looking for? And so to kind of paint the picture, I think the first thing that we should do is like, it, it, we're going to describe some scenarios and, and hopefully this can touch a few of your heartstrings and you can be like, oh my gosh, that was me or that is me. I know what it was like when I graduated from school. And I got all good grades, you know, I was doing well in school. I graduated and I was putting my portfolio out there and I got ghosted, always ghosted and, or, or a couple times, like I'd get one interview and then, then I'd fall off and, and, and that'd be the end of it. Or, and so I would try and change things and perhaps make some adjustments and updates on things. And, and then it, the next phase was I would be interviewing and I'd be one of the final two or three candidates. And then they'd always pick somebody else. And I'd just be like, why, why am I stuck? Why can't I get where I want to be? I know. So that's, that's one circumstance that we'll kind of elaborate and touch on. Andre, has there been a share with us the, the Andre stuck yeah, moment? Me, you, you introduced <laughs> this topic was. Um, me becoming a poison pill at work. 
which Ooh. is like really hard to admit, to be frank. Yeah. What do you mean so, by that? Uh, yeah, at a previous uh, at a previous company uh, that I worked at, I became the person that um, one I didn't want to be, um, and I became the the negative Nancy, the all the the terms, but the the person that. I just wasn't happy with uh, after the, you know, the steps that we're probably going to start walking through. I quickly realized that I was the poison pill at work. The, 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 not the, not the positive influence you hear now in front of you um, is, is uh, I was, yeah, not a positive influence at work um, Mm -hmm. and which is what I, I typically strive for. And so when you introduce this topic, that's exactly what resonated, which to be frank was really hard to, uh, I'm like, oh, to go back to. So I'm looking forward to kind of diving into that. I, I've, I've seen it in my past and across my professional uh, career so far a few times. And so I'm looking forward to helping people um, that have found themselves in that situation or finding themselves on that road, yeah. uh, heading to, towards that direction. So Definitely. let's dig deep. Yeah, dig deep. I mean, and maybe your circumstances aren't exactly the same as where, you know, what Andre and I felt, but if for any reason at all, you're feeling like, you're not satisfied with work. You're not really motivated. You're um, procrastinating deliverables and your performance isn't going well. You're avoiding conversations with people. It just, I don't know if any way, shape or form, you're just feeling stuck. Maybe some of the things that we cover in today's discussion can kind of help you out. And I think the first and foremost, I mean, we kind of talked about this last week, but the, the thing that has to happen when you're in this kind of situation is first and foremost to be completely honest with yourself about the circumstances. And that might mean swallowing a pill, much like Andre said earlier, and realizing that um, you're probably a big part of the problem as to why you're where you're at right now. And for me, responsibility for it. You got to be responsible for it. (laughs) Welcome to today's. it's not alcohols and designers anonymous session. Hi, I'm Russ <laughs> and I'm where I'm at because it's my fault. <laughs> and in it was a big part of it, right? Or at least a big part of it. Yes. And so that's an aspect of it that we have to be truly. The, the, the truth is, is sometimes things are out of your control. You know, sometimes you didn't get the job because they decided to change the budget for the department and you know, from no fault of your own, they no longer are hiring for that role. Oh, you know, or there's a a plethora of reasons. Timing wasn't quite right. It had nothing to do with you or your skills or what you did. There was nothing more you could have done to change the will of the company and somehow force their hand to hire you. It just is what it is. So yes, there are circumstances that are outside of your control, but I think the biggest part of moving forward is to take ownership and realize that there's likely a reason why you're not where you want to be in life. But the biggest, the best part rather of being the biggest problem is you have the power to be the best solution. Is that a good bumper sticker? I'm the problem. I'm the solution. Uh, (laughs) You know, are we getting to on the spiritual plane? I don't know, but It's the truth. It's the truth that if you're not where you're at, then take a moment in my recommendation. If you don't do it uh, to journal and, and write down very specifically, what are the things that you're not very satisfied with 
about life right now? What is making it so you're having those feelings of anxiety, um, procrastinating things and making you do the things that you do? Are you just really not excited about the type of work you're doing anymore? Are you not excited about this project? Are you upset at your, where you're at in the pay scale and it's not enough for you? Um, I don't know, Andre thoughts, feelings. So, yeah, I would just tell this <laughs> down into this first step here. Very, very similar to last week is, you know, a self-assessment, but I'd pair that with recognize the signs. Um, and so part of, uh, because a lot of times before you can even do a self-assessment uh, or you feel the need to do so is you need to be able to realize that like you need where you are yeah. um, and what you're uh, not happy with and that you, what you realize needs or requires change um, in, in your pro- uh, professional career, personal life, whatever the case may be. And you mentioned uh, journaling. I think sure. that's an excellent, uh, an, an excellent uh good habit to have uh for those that are more analytical in their in their uh their uh capabilities or strengths uh, or especially for those that are corporate minded um is running a swat um s w o t um which is a common practice where you start to define your strengths your weaknesses the opportunities and of course the threats and uh start if you are not familiar with that process or that exercise, uh, it's a common one. Feel free to look it up. There's books and all sorts of fun stuff and resources online for it. But uh, it's a great way to put on paper um, a lot of the things that you will start to need to document um, if that's how your mind works um, to, so that you can start implementing change and realizing like where the low hanging fruit is like, right. What is a quick win for me to start building momentum and, and so on? So journaling, uh, start, uh, right, you know, putting on paper the things that you see in front of you um, that, uh, that you need to document to start building a plan to get yourself out. What else is there? I think that a big part of it is to, so we can do a SWOT analysis and I try to make it a habit to specifically write out all the things that are within my control and it, where I, based on where I'm at in life, um, I've got siblings, I <laughs> mentor younger students and stuff. And it's easy for us to become disenchanted with life because we have sky high goals. We want to be bajillionaires. We want to be famous. We want whatever. And and when you look at this Everest before you of what it will take to get to where you ultimately want to be, and often takes years of time and effort to get there, it's easy to get disgruntled, look down where you're at at the base of the hill and just be like, oh, man, I, I just oh, I can't do it. And that zaps your motivation. And so focusing specifically, you know, how do you climb out Everest? How do you eat an elephant? How do you it's one step at a time? We're not we're not coining any new you know, (laughs) fantastic phrases for you guys, but simply pointing out what you've likely heard before. And hopefully some of this will spark a thought in your mind. Like, well, when is the last time I've made an inventory of things that are within my power to change my, my circumstances? Yeah. Right now, can you immediately, um, you know, make money fall from the sky and change your income bracket? Uh, unless you got some magic, 
trick that you know, like, let me know. But for the most part, most of us can't just immediately conjure up money <laughs> out of nowhere. And so that's, that's out of your control. I'm making what I'm making at this very moment, but I know that I have the power to connect with people who work in places where I do want to work and who are making money that I want to make. I have control over that interaction, that effort. I can work on that. And then, then that will help outline goals that are smart ones, you know, measurable, attainable, and, and you set yourself goals and timelines and whatnot that you can go and accomplish things that are within your power. So, so that, I think that's an important factor of when you're doing that self-analysis and yes, you do the SWOT analysis, but then also say, okay, specifically, what can I do? And probably, I mean, if you don't mind, Andre, the thing that comes to mind, there's a lot of parallelisms in one of my hobbies, as you guys are well aware, we have a YouTube channel. If you go and look at our following on YouTube, it's not in the millions. I guarantee it. <laughs> Unless something happened overnight that I'm unaware of, not, we haven't jumped in a, in a following that's huge. I look at YouTube as this complex puzzle that I've yet to solve. And I take full ownership and I realize, so I'm reading this book called The YouTube Formula by Daryl Eves. It's a great book. And a big point of that book is pretty much admitting that the reason why you don't have a huge following on YouTube is your fault. You're not, you're not giving your following what they're looking for, for you to reach that level of, um, you know, subscriptions that you're, you're, you, that you want. And in the same way that I'm trying to figure out my audience, trying to figure out what we can do to pivot and, and create content that will reach a broader audience that'll resonate with them, that they'll really enjoy. We have to do the same thing as creatives. If we're like, okay, where am I at right now? What am I doing? If I'm not happy with what I'm doing right with, with where I'm at and I want to be someplace else, what does it take to appeal to that target audience. I want that job. Well, how can I present myself in a way that resonates with people in that sphere? Does that make sense? Thoughts on it does. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say like so after journaling, uh, you know, the if you're more of an analytical person, the SWOT, uh, identifying that you have of what you exactly have control, I would add influence on that at, at the end of that. So control slash influence. Um, then I would say that the quick immediate thing after that, after the self-assessment, and I think what you're leading towards, especially on the public platforms like YouTube, um, is get feedback, um, which oh, is a yeah. cornerstone of our industry, right? Is, I mean, not, that I'm saying YouTube comment section is, you know, the, the <laughs> Puritan um, resource of excellence. But look uh, at the numbers, you know, <laughs> look at your analytics. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but I'm saying regardless of where, uh, of, of where you're getting that feedback, feedback is valuable. Yeah. Um, just because it is a, it's a cornerstone of, of success of being a, a, in the creative field. Uh, you are not operating in a bubble typically. And so uh, we talked about also last week, uh, you know, building that network and so on. This is uh, an, another situation um, that you get to leverage, uh, lean on uh, and pull uh, 
folks into this into this uh, problem of yours and help get it solved. Uh, the other is mentorship, right? That's another just key one is is having someone in your life that you have given permission to to truly speak into your career, into your personal life, whatever the case may be, um, that you can lean on and say, "Hey, does my work suck?" And <laughs> right, if you have a good mentor and your work sucks, the answer should be, "Yeah, yeah, it does." This is right now, like this aspect of your work is your greatest opportunity, right? Or like right. this is where you're not meeting uh, current expectations, um, and you know this is this is where uh, building out that network is so critical, uh, because the last thing I want when asking for feedback is the, nah, nah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. It's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> man, the, the lack of confidence is saying something else. Right. So yeah, I want real feedback. That's actually going to be constructive. It's targeted. It's uh, specific and that I can, it, that is actionable. And yes. so that's the, the type of uh, relationship I want with my mentor. Well, and that's something to be considered as well as you guys are considering mentors and people that you're speaking to. I've been doing a lot of the, YouTube has been a rabbit hole that I've been going down lately. YouTube and like music and recording, like it's just those are my latest rabbit holes. And so anyhow, I digress. One of the interviews that the famous Mr. Beast was on, he talked a lot about doing lots of research in getting feedback from the right people. So, um, yeah, uh, we called it mom feedback in other episodes. When you show something to your mom, oh, it's great, sweetheart. You're doing fantastic. You're, you're going to be the best designer in the world. You know, that's her job to say that. But then if you do a little more research and you talk with the people who um, have the credentials to give you feedback in that specific space, you know, those are the people that you need to reach out to. And in, in, in even if somebody, like truthfully, if you reached out to me, I am not the best mentor for all situations because, and, and I try to be honest with people as they reach out to me and they're like, hey, what do you think about this? And if it's in a sphere that I am unfamiliar with, I try to be upfront and I say, okay, I am not the best at working with uh, processed bamboo. I don't know. just trying to think of a crazy situation. I'm not great Processing. with that material. Yeah, I, I'm not. And, and so I can't tell you if this is the most sound solution. Um, but I can tell you that the way that you're presenting it is a little ambiguous or, you know, so I'll give feedback where it is, where, where I can. Um, so that's just something to, to consider as well. As you reach out to mentors, you're going to have to evaluate um, are these people who are giving you feedback, sometimes unsolicited feedback, you know, it's like the comment section, who are they to say if your video is good or, but if Mr. Beast comes to me and he makes a comment on my channel, like, okay, that carries a lot more weight. So like where we were finding ourselves in this process, right? Like you've, you've recognized that you're in, in a situation, um, you have like taken stock, you've documented whether mentally or, or physically on paper in some manner, the things that, you know, you, you are good at that you are where you're struggling, where you see opportunities. You've, uh, you've like really kind of separated into two buckets, things outside your control, things in control. You have the, all of that done. You even got feedback uh, from the people that you wanted feedback from. Now what? Now, what? right? Like, well, how, what, what's, what's the next big step? How do you, 
I'm I'm still in the situation that I started in. <laughs> now just more enlightened. Now what? <laughs> well, so I can tell you what happened from my life experience specifically um when I was finding that okay, I'm trying to get a job and it's not working for me. Why can't I get a job? It was when I said, "Okay, you know, it's not because in in the same way like YouTube can blame the algorithm. I can't say, oh, well, all hiring managers are just jerk and jerks and they, they don't realize my, my giftedness or whatever. You know, I can't just put it in their, in their bucket over there. It's actually, I own the, the problem is mine. And so once I came to that realization and I said, okay, well, what's in my control? Um, you know, and sometimes what's in your control is just what's, what's within your bandwidth. I was working two jobs and uh, could barely make ends meet and was married with kids and it was a struggle. And so I knew that, well, I don't have time necessarily to remake every single one of my models that I made when I was in school. So they look better. I don't have time to, to do all that. But what I did have time to do was to study other designers who I was, who were within my network, I looked at what their portfolios looked like and saw that, oh man, that looks good. I want to make my portfolio look like that so that hopefully you can get a point. Once you've taken that ownership, right? What does, what does moving forward look like? And it's prioritizing um, what you have in control of, right? It's identifying uh, that low hanging fruit, what are the quick wins? And so yeah. you're like, Hey, I could redo my portfolio. That is, you know, ideal yeah. with, you know, infinite resources, time, money, uh, all the things, or which is typically not what we're in. Uh, <laughs> so it's identifying the quick wins with uh, minimal effort, greatest amount of value. Sure. And so for you, right. It was uh, identifying the, the major, uh, some of the things in other people's portfolios that seem to be uh, either trends or that, um, that, uh, saw lots of success and, you know, mirroring that and bringing that aesthetic or those types of projects over instead of redoing everything. Yeah. And so what I'd say that's the next step is, is identifying the low hanging fruit from the bucket of things that you can control and or influence and then doing it, do it. Yeah. Do what's, what, what, do what's in you <laughs> within your power. And so for me, like I'm trying to think I like to give as many variables as possible. So the nitty gritty level, what did I change? I didn't re-render everything. I didn't remodel everything. I looked at the format of designers who have gotten hired and, and, and I realized something and I didn't really know how to articulate it then, but having practiced and trying to encourage students now to make this shift, um, I can say it probably a little bit more succinctly and clear. And, and when it boils down to it is before I viewed my portfolio, like a, like a documentary <laughs> where let me, let me take you on this journey and give you all the details. There was way too much copy on it. It was loaded with just extra fluff. And, and instead I looked at, the kind of work that people who have jobs, what theirs looked like. And it was way more like 
an advertisement. So the parallelism I give students, and I may have mentioned it before, is like, we're, we're not making a documentary here. We're making a YouTube short. You've got to hit them at the very beginning with some kind of hook, then give them a little bit of context. But like on every single page, you've almost formatted it. So it's a billboard. You've got your money shot on the left, one third side, and then you've got copy that's at an appropriate size and scale that you would see on, you know, look at advertisements for size and scale. So if you're a young designer and you want to polish your portfolio, every single slide almost needs to be its own standalone advertisement. So you get that wow factor and yes, use copy, but have it be very succinct and almost like have it to the size and scale that when you stand back and look at it, you're really just seeing like a block. It's like an, an element of the composition that, oh, if you look closer and you want to read it, it's available for you, but it's not screaming at you to be read. Um, when I started doing that, I looked at the template of who's succeeding and I literally copied it. So that's a, an exercise that we do in our class. I've had students, we looked up a portfolio online, we took screenshots of it, we pulled it into Figma. So if you're not familiar with Figma, it's a UI UX vector based, you know, cloud based software that multiple people. So Andre and I could be working together at the same exact time. And all we did was just practice copying that thing exactly for the layout, the visual elements, because if where you're coming from is PowerPoint templates and you want to get to marketing level presentations, well, what you've got to do is get that muscle memory. So that was a very specific thing that I did. And as soon as I formatted the same exact assets in a much more compelling way, and focused on making sure that each page told a very specific thing. You know, I, I had a mentor say to me, he's not an industrial designer, but he, I pulled up my presentation, showed it to him. He's like, what do you want me to say or feel when I look at this page right here? Like what's, what's the hope that you, what do you want me to have happen internally when I look at this? And if you can't articulate it and you can't say specifically, I want you to understand that I chose this form factor because it fits better in your hand. If you can't say that, in, in, then, then you probably haven't communicated on your screen. And so making every single slide count. Anyhow, so those are very, at a granular level, the very specific things. But that was all well within my control. And so, Andre, you said earlier that you became the poison pill at work. What yeah. was the specific things after doing self-assessment and analyzing what's within your control, maybe just what's, what's available in your emotional bandwidth. That's a limiting factor too. What were some of the steps and what was the solution then for you when you found yourself in, in, in this circumstance? Uh, I asked for help. You asked for help. <laughs> yeah. I went to my mentors and I'm like, man, I'm not happy with the person I am at work anymore. Um, I used to be so happy. Um, and now I'm, I'm the person kind of not necessarily bringing people down, but uh, not being. Uh, and I think probably from a complete stranger, just seeing me work and watching me work and interact with others. So I like, that's a normal human being, which is not my normal. My normal is oh, typically overly joyful. Uh, and it's a uh, unrelenting force of positivity is I think uh, 
what uh, some of my reviews have said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is my norm. That is my baseline. And so when I'm not hitting that, I, I have to, that, that, that was that self-reflection of like, I am not, uh, providing that, um, which is, is, uh, where I realized there was a problem. So I was asking for help. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable doing so inside the company. So I went to my external mentors, um, yeah. and, um, and asked for, for support and guidance. And I did exactly what we did here, uh, maybe not as formally, but, um, and I came to some conclusions of things that needed to change in my life uh, and in my career, um, which in fact led me to, to change, uh, in fact, complete change in careers. Okay. That's uh, which was exactly where I'm going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like just, just the flow of things. I think that sometimes you have to be able to to cash in your chips and realize that in order, you know, part of what's within my sphere of control is where I'm at, what I'm doing, um, my surroundings, the environment that I find myself in. And if where you're at physically located and in the sphere of work that you're in isn't contributing towards your overall goals, then it, it may be a time for you to be like honest about that. Am I just staying at this job right now because I'm comfortable or is this helping me long-term achieve what I want? And if, if that's the case, if that is you're just staying for the perks, the benefits or whatever, and nothing else, then what can I do to work towards the ideal? And yeah, I know it's not what always, is ideal. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have to define that for yourself. You know, what will make, you know, this is just weird for me to picture Andre Moody and having a hard time being happy because, <laughs> because I've known Andre, he's the guy who, you know, busts into the room and just like slaps everybody with smiles and happiness, which is great. <laughs> That's what we, the world needs more Andres. And, but uh, obviously things can get, can pull you down over time. And so, yeah, I, I applaud you that recognizing that, okay, for me to be able to, you know, be in a happy place where I want to be exhibiting X, Y, Z characteristics. Uh, part of that is going to have to shift in what I'm doing for work, where I'm working, the kind of people I surround myself with. But I would, I'd venture to say that having gone through that experience has taught you things um, to help safeguard those priorities. That makes Ooh, sense. You're, Actually, le you're leading to the next step, man, which yeah. is the responsibility side. Love it. Which, by the way, we didn't write these down. Uh, so this is so excellent that we're on the same track. <laughs> um, yeah, a little, a little more personal uh, window into me is I was an industrial designer, right. uh, in-house designer uh, for consumer goods. And for some, uh, and rightfully so, it was a dream job. Uh, you know, getting utility patents, design patents, designing some incredible IP. Uh, super fun. It was in the alcohol industry. So, you know, that's on a regular basis going to bars and, and Happy watching hour. bartenders <laughs> work. Yeah. Yeah. At like you know, noon, uh, was regular because that was the industry we designed for. So it was in many cases, a dream job. Um, and it became not that my dream job, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, or fortunately. And so realizing that and coming to a lot of these hard conclusions that, you know, the thing that I went to college for, and um, is no longer meeting my personal needs, not necessarily from a pace thing or anything like that. Just like, why am I here? Oh. Uh, right. Of like true purpose of like, Hey, I'm designing thing for bartenders. Like, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? 
And if you're finding yourself in that, in that career, uh, in, in a point in your career right now where you're going like, Hey, I'm making tchotchkes or I'm, I'm making things that just fill a garbage dump. Um, if, if that's where you're at, like, you know, it, here's that kind of thing. I think you spoke to, uh, to it a few episodes back is like, here's some permission. If that's what you're looking for, uh, explore alternative so, like solutions to the, the way that you were trying to solve the world's problems, which is, I think why most people get into this is we're trying to solve problems. That's the purpose of design and that's yeah. where design shines. And so I asked the question, what happens when my stakeholder, like what happened, like, how do we design big things? I wasn't able to answer that question with the tools I was given as an industrial designer. How do we design things like airplanes? Yeah. Right. It's not just drawing a pretty picture and, you know, some market research and, you know, then after a few renderings, getting stakeholders to say, yes, what happens when my stakeholder count goes from three to thousands? Yeah. I feel like the tools I have is willfully not suited for that problem. And so that led me on the journey to where I'm at today. Uh, in a completely different career, still applying the wonderful skills that we have learned as industrial designers or in the in the creative field in a in a not uh, I don't want to say not creative. I think you can apply creativity different to creative. anything you do. <laughs> not a traditional creative yeah. output, uh, yeah. which today I am a model based systems engineering uh, consultant um, between uh, two major corporations, and so. Uh, not what you would typically consider, um, you know, a job where you get to apply these types of skills. But uh, it's, I think, made me incredibly uh, useful to my team, bringing a very different perspective uh, to engineering. Yeah. And so now applying that to our point in taking responsibility, we have taken ownership, taken the first few steps, building momentum. But what does responsibility look like? So part of it, in my opinion, is Things have to change. Like change sucks. A lot of people struggle yeah. with change. Uh, and so if you, if nothing changes, then you're going to get right back to where you're at um, eventually. And so yeah. it's a change in mindset, change in, a change in venue, a change in your environment, a change in something needs to, uh, to give. And so one, accepting that and yeah. uh, after you've identified the opportunities, but then um, Applying and, you know, mindfully um, taking the responsibility for where you were at and then actively preventing yourself from being there again. Yeah. And I think a big part of that, like what I kind of and, and thank you for sharing all that, Andre. I mean, uh, my two cents to add on to all of that is that there's not wasted. One could easily say, man, why did I waste so much time getting a degree in that working at that place doing that thing? Um, if anything, that experience has shaped you and made you even better at what you're doing now for your job. And even oh, if you damn yeah, exactly. And <laughs> overall, if, if you have a very terrible experience, it's okay. Just throw it in that quiver behind your back of tools that you now have in moving into your next role, I mean, you want to talk about like, I think I'd be intimidated to have Andre be a candidate for a role at a company that I was hiring for because Andre has very, very specific questions that he has put together because he has high priorities in very specific places, places where he was probably burned in the past. Life has taught him, hey, I've got to safeguard these priorities and help vet out a company as prospective employee 
or employer rather that meets these criteria because I'm not going to find myself in that sort of situation ever again. And in a lot of that just happens from the school of hard knocks. There's a, there was a, so your discussion um, reminded me of a post I made not, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago that I may or may not have shared with you guys already, but I wanted to read it just real quick. Um, touching on that very specific topic of responsibility. And part of that can be making that a hard pivot. Um, what I wrote on LinkedIn is said, if you're not a very good designer right now, it's okay to quit. And quitting doesn't mean that you lack resolve and you're a weenie. We all have to be better at quitting. We should quit doing things that distract us from bigger ambitions. We should just, we should quit justifying staying in a bad relationship. Quit working for a toxic boss. Quit overextending ourselves so we don't have time and energy to focus on our spouses and kids. Just quit. That being said, when you walk through the steps of self-reflection and you see that you are on track to where you want to be, but the skills just aren't quite there yet, dig in. You love design. Find what your weak spots are and work on them. Um. And then I put a that, plug in for the. I don't want to jump out and just you know, hey, Russ and Andre said like just throw in the towel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. No, I'm I'm out. Done. Um, so I mean, if that's what you need to do, you do you. But um, quitting is a pro. Can be especially when well implemented is just like anything else. It's a process, and it is an enabler for for ideally something better that you are. Um, that you've put some time and and thought into to to do so. But if you, as as Russ put it, you're in a bad place, you get out of that bad place. Uh, you yeah. you do whatever you need to do to be successful here. So uh, all that to say, once you have, and that, that, I mean, taking responsibility, right? Qu- quitting is <laughs> a big one there. Um, but whatever that might be, uh, whether it's quitting, uh, like you said, a task, a, a relationship, a, a position, uh, stopping those things that are, are, are preventing you from, uh, as you put it, uh, achieving more ambitious things that are, are more positive. Yeah. Um, the, the other, once you have gone through all this and you are now on track and you are in a position of um, being able to look back and, and take stock of the things like where you were and where you are uh, today, right? And you've made you've made those leaps, whether you're in the middle of the process or you believe you've achieved what you've what change you wanted to implement. Uh, what can we do to to uh, to make sure that we we maintain that? Yeah, that that's that's important because if you've gone through hell and back again to get where you're at, let's not put ourselves on the track to re-experience those things. <laughs> I think that yeah. the first step. I mean. If, 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 if you're at the point where you, okay, it meant leaving where you're at and going to a new place because it was such a toxic work environment, doing your due diligence to vet out, you know, look ahead and, and make sure that the environments that you're about to step into meet your criteria. And that's okay to protect that. Uh, you know, we kind of can get a, a hard rap for being sticklers and snobs about you know, oh, how many days off? Can I work remote? Can we do this and that? I, I mean, there has to be a balance. And if you, if the cards are in your favor and you have the flexibility to be extra picky about 
your home work remote in office situation. And that's the hill that you want to stand to fight on and, and, in, in where you're going to wage battle. Fine. If you have that luxury, if you're not at that point in life, you know, wherever you stand on the spectrum of stability, some people don't have the luxury of, you know, having, sometimes we have, I, I admit it, you have to take a job because that's the one opportunity that's come your way, you know, and you can find hope sometime if it's less than ideal saying, Hey, but at least I'm not working at a place where I'm disrespected. At least now I'm here. It's a stepping stone towards better. Ideally, I want to be X, Y, Z conditions. I get to work from home. I make my own hours. I do this and that. So um, we don't judge, you know, well, there's no political agenda here. And, and, and we're not saying one is right and one's wrong. I feel like there's older generations that would come chime in and say, well, you guys need to learn how to just suck it up and work harder and, and do what you need to do. And then there's younger generations said, yeah, well, we're tired of being oppressed. I'm not going <laughs> to put what my opinions are on that spectrum. But I will say is whatever is priority for you. And if you have the circumstances and the means to, to um, advocate for very specific things, I think that's important to protect yourself from reliving old nightmares. Um, it's okay to, to be very straightforward and ask questions to, um, protect that. So, I mean, maybe I couldn't say that very eloquently. I fully acknowledge that, <laughs> but I, I, extemporaneously, those are the things that are word vomiting out of my brain is like, you know, once you've gotten to that point, you've now reached here. The first thing to do is to make a list of all of the things that you're going to do to make sure that this never happens again. And the first thing that I think of in my history is like, I'm never, ever going to work for a place that does X, Y, and Z to me because that was terrible. And this is how I make sure that the places, you know, one time I was bamboozled and ended up, it was a scam. I worked for some guy. I thought that it was going to be a new gig and I did a week's worth of work for somebody. And it was, now I look back on it. There's so many red flags it was like, oh, the office was under construction. So he couldn't meet with me in the office for that week. and so. I was allowed to work remote and this and that. And it was about when that first paycheck was supposed to come in. And when it didn't clear, I immediately cut things off. But I wasted a week or two of, of working time just essentially giving free work to a scam artist uh, because I didn't do my homework well enough. And then my wife did some digging on the Internet and she's like, yeah, this guy's like scammed like five or six other designers who he gets free. That's how he gets free work for whatever his next thing is i'm like oh man you know just a little uh dang so, it moment <laughs> from russ's life so let's distill that down um and i think it's uh for me um there's a lot of different frameworks for this but that's basically reflection yeah um and so things like an rcca uh root cause and corrective action or uh, root cause analysis get to the root of why you got to where you're at right in your case uh, in that little scenario that, uh, the, the, of being scammed is not doing your due diligence. Right. Yeah. Um, one Google just, search could have saved me, you know? Yeah. Power. And, uh, for, and for me at work, it was not knowing what made me happy, uh, of like what satisfied, uh, why I went to work. Right. It's not, I, I lost it and I wasn't keeping track of it. Um, and so having a, uh, being for me, it was being cognitive of the things that give me fulfillment at work, um, which, uh, is, you know, helping others, 
uh, be better at life and uh, doing cool things uh, is probably the best way to put it. Um, and solving the, like solving the world's problems in a new ways. And so um, taking stock uh, uh, and reflecting on those, those of, of why you were in that place and then taking that corrective action to prevent yourself from getting there again. And like a little caveat that I'm going to put in there that you probably won't see any, any, any list celebrate, celebrate, celebrate the win. Yeah. Uh, like when you get wins, celebrate them. Uh, it's a good way to feel better and to uh, mentally capitalize on success and build on the momentum. So uh, not only in, in just at the end, don't like celebrate every win. I think it's worth it. It's I know been a positive influence in my life. Um, and a key component to, to why I get to bring joy every day to work is when you have wins, celebrate them, no matter how small. So if I were going to say this is the, we've now christened it the TLDL, Guang didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> if we were going to recap everything, you know, without going through, I think Andre, you're always very good about that. Revisiting where we've been, bringing it up again. So without going down the list, if I were going to just, sum everything up and say what is the TLDL I think that you could almost say that if you're not happy with where you're at right now you need to apply design thinking to your life essentially if I'm going to put it simply design mm -hmm. thinking forces us to be honest to realize the needs of our our end user we do research we do you know, we look inward and because if we just approached life, design life with, I'm going to do design what I want. Sometimes you'll, it'll be a banger and it'll be great because there's a lot of people like you who want that. And that's an assumption that I think a lot of young designers might fall into is, you know, a pitfall where we're like, oh, I'm going to, I know I would like this. I'm going to do this. Um, but that doesn't resonate with everybody. And so anyhow. Doing your due diligence to do your homework and realize, okay, very honest about where you're at in life. Do like that SWOT analysis. Um, think about where you are. Define what is success. Sometimes the only thing that are within you, the, your sphere of influence and power is to adjust your attitude and, and realize that, okay, success for me right now is doing this. I know I want to achieve so much more. But this is within my control, my level of control right now. My emotional and physical and capability bandwidth is this. This is where I'm standing. This is the first step. But ultimately, this is where I want to be. And sometimes just taking time to do that can give you joy in your journey. I'm like, someday I'm going to achieve this. And this is the roadmap I've laid for myself. And just knowing that I'm on a road towards something better gives me a lot of hope and motivation um because sometimes you lose you lose sight of that of the ultimate goal of where you want to be um but definitely being honest with yourself being able to swallow the pill and say that hey a lot of why i'm where i'm at is probably because i'm the problem i'm getting in my own way and i think that what i'm doing is going to get me there but clearly it's not uh, so we talked about mentors reaching out to the right kind of mentors. Um, if all you're getting is mom feedback, positivity, positive reinforcement, if that's the only thing you're getting and the target person that you're getting mentorship from doesn't fit the audience of where you're trying to go, 
make a pivot and try and seek guidance from the people from the right kind of people take ownership um, and take responsibility and then um and whatever that looks like in in your scenario and then uh and and uh celebrate the wins and the last thing i'd like to end with is um uh if you're finding yourself uh, alone in this fight um or you're feeling alone i should probably put but the caveat, if you're feeling alone in this fight where you're at and you don't have, uh, uh, you don't see the, uh, the light, uh, you know, Hey, that's what we're here for. Reach out. Um, yeah. and, uh, the, no problem with, uh, with, uh, mentoring, uh, our viewers. We've done it in the past. Um, you are not alone in this. This is, if this is what you need to hear, this is an amazing community. Um, that uh, that Russ and uh, the team have built, and just the overall design community is incredible. So yes. if you're feeling alone, point you're in the right direction. Yeah, we love and appreciate all of you guys for your continued support. Be sure to go check out our YouTube channel and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you have people who are designers in your uh, network, please share it with them. We appreciate all of you guys, and we'll see you next time.